actually. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode edition of Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. Folks, we are very blessed to have you with us tonight. We have two very special guests that we're going to introduce very briefly. But I kind of want to contextualize it this way. Um, I once asked my dad the question, you know, Dad, who are three people that you've read about or read in the papers or seen on TV that you'd really love to have a beer with, you know, that you are so intrigued by, who've uh, blessed your life from afar? Who would those three people be? And he gave me three names, of course. And um, I have to say that tonight's guests are one of them. The two shall become one. So I'm going to say they're one of them. And uh, the blessed part of this is I've already been able to have a beer with both of them. So I'm very delighted that tonight um, we are blessed to have with us Bob and Judy Geiger. And before we welcome them with us tonight, I simply want to invite you all to seriously look to Sunday, February 19th. You hear this background story, you know, Lord, I want to burn for you again. I want to be on fire for you again. From Luke 12, 49, we hear Jesus say, I came to set the earth on fire. And how is it we're already ablaze? And I know that uh, sometimes that may sound like this over-the-top language, right? Like, oh, just here goes Greg again or Steph you know, talking about this on fire stuff. But, you know, Jesus used that language. He wants us to be on fire for him. He wants us to, to be the light of fire to a world that's dark. He wants us to be the heat of fire that is often cold. And uh, while many of us, you know, are faithful Catholics who are listening, he wants, to, he wants to deepen that faith. He wants to deepen our confidence that he wants to work powerfully through us. And we never reach that point till we die. We'll die. We'd die immediately if we reached perfection. So I want to invite you to really seriously think about joining us on February 19th, Sunday, for an event called Ablaze. It's absolutely free. We have um, some phenomenal speakers who are going to be opening the door for us to more fully understand the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, life in the Spirit from a Catholic perspective, and then an amazing Ignite-type experience. Thoroughly faithful, thoroughly solid. It's what all the popes have been talking about. It's anchored in the catechism. As they say, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So discover that with us on February 19th. And I have to tell you, you know, we have experienced at these Ablaze events, and we've had a few already since Pentecost last year, we've experienced real physical healing. Major healings have taken place. Miracles, certainly at the heart, is conversion. That's the greatest miracle ever of a deepening relationship with Jesus. That's happening also. Now, I know the enemy... Uh, Wormwood wants to say to us, well, suffering, God wants us as Catholics to suffer. Mother Teresa had that dark night of the soul in John of the Cross, and I agree with you, absolutely. God wants us to choose him for him, and he allows us dark nights. He allows us suffering. But you know what? He also made us weak and imperfect that we'll go to him in prayer availing our hearts and minds to him, being his instrument of grace so that the world will know that he is a real power for the world here and now. So again, invite you to join us for this event Tuesday, I'm sorry, Sunday, February 19th is coming up a week and a half from now. 6 p.m. is where it begins. It'll be at Regina Chaley Parish. And again, where you want to go for that to register for free, massimpact.us forward slash ablaze. 
Of course, you can find out many other exciting things coming up at our brand new site, massimpact.us. And uh, even we have apps now for both Apple and Apple's, um, Apple's. We have Apple's for Android. <laughs> and we have apps for Android also. And what are these? What would you get? It's free, by the way. Is It's going to give you um, awesome podcasts, the, the interviews we've had with on-fire people from our area and beyond. Um, you've got the Live It Guide for both uh, families and uh, groups right there. Very easy, new every week to uh, talk and pray based upon Sunday readings. You get the videos, which are short little inspirational snippets. There's a lot there. So um, massimpact.us, and if you want to get the app for free, go right to it, you forward slash app. So massimpact.us forward slash app. So before we begin, we are just going to dive right into this. I want to use the time well. I'm so blessed to have Bob and Judy Geiger, whom we will introduce very quickly. But uh, please join us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, you have us here right now for a reason. Whoever is listening is listening right now for a reason. You're aware of our challenges you're aware of our struggles. They're real, God. We're keeping it real. We're speaking to you relationally because you, you revealed to your son, Jesus, that we could touch him, feel him, have a relationship with him. You give us the church that we can have a relationship with you, Lord. And so we speak to you in this relationship mode, God. You know what's going on, and we avail our hearts and minds to you right now, inviting you to have dominion, inviting you to inhabit our minds, inhabit our hearts, Inhabit our memories. We surrender it to you, Lord. We pray that you would tune our minds and hearts to you, Jesus, for all who are listening tonight, Lord, and uh, have confidence that you're a God of power, that you want to work powerfully, you want to speak to us and make us all the more aware that you are truly with us. We ask this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we're going to bring up Bob and Judy. How are you doing, Bob and Judy? Well, I think we're doing fine. Oh, I love to hear your voice. That's <laughs> awesome. I only heard the mail, though. There, <laughs> there we go. There she is. Behind every great man. Yeah, I think we're we're at a good spot right now. Awesome. Excellent. So for our listeners, I don't I think it'd be almost impossible not to know the name Bob and Judy Geiger if you've been involved in uh, the diocese. You guys, we've only been here four years actually celebrating that last week, uh, marked our fourth year here. And um, you know, Bob, right away, uh, I met you at a diocesan meeting and um, really we shared uh, a real heart for people more than just knowing about Jesus, to simplify, but to know Jesus Christ. And I got the sense, right after that diocesan meeting, you remember the words we exchanged, and uh, we both shared this kind of immediate kinetic thing that the Holy Spirit's alive, the Holy Spirit's working powerfully. And um, I became aware, got to know you, you were on our board for uh, Mass Impact for a while, blessed with that. We've gotten to know you through the Charismatic Renewal, which has been a tremendous blessing. And again, this year marks the 50th year for our listeners of this powerful experience at Duquesne in 1967. Ralph Martin was a participant there, Sister Ann Shields, uh, that really was the flame that um, I think ignited Father Mike Scanlon, uh, whose memory we celebrate and pray his soul be received into eternal glory. But at Steubenville, 
in his book, Let the Fire Fall. Many of our listeners are familiar with that. So this is a significant time. It's a significant year. Bob, you've been part of it, and Judy have been part of this for a long time. I know, Bob, you were uh, chairman of the Diocesan Pastoral Advisory Council, and uh, which meant what? You went to get the bishop's coffee? <laughs> Well, actually, I was the bishop's spy at the diocesan meetings. <laughs> Did you do a good job? We won't tell anybody, I Bob. don't know. <laughs> 007. We'll find out if you did a good job or not. <laughs> so we, we know that. I know that, you, Bob, you've been involved in leading men's groups. You've been involved with Alpha. Judy, with you together as a team. We're just so blessed by your witness as a married couple, because sometimes it's just the husband or just the wife. And so Stephanie and I, as a little younger than you, aspiring to really be all God calls us to be right away. Uh, when Stephanie moved here, um, you know, I said, "Hey, you got to, you really have to. I have to introduce you to this wonderful couple because, you know, what you and I've been doing, Steph, for whatever at that point, maybe twenty years. You guys have been doing for forty or or more, which is pretty awesome. So." Um, Folks, that's where we're at at this point right now um, with Bob and Judy. I do want to mention, you know, hopefully it's okay with you, Bob, just to acknowledge there are some significant challenges uh, with cancer, um, a very unique kind of thing that Bob and Judy are struggling with. Those closest to them know them. And through the duration of tonight, just... Pray for them, lift them up in prayers, and I know their heart with us is for all to come to know God's deep love for him and uh, their abiding presence. And um, and so we're going to, with that kind of marking where we're at right now, we're going to go back in time. And if you wouldn't mind, just to set the stage, Judy, share with us your own coming to know personally Jesus Christ. Well, as with a lot of people, I think... Um, Jesus becomes very present to us when we go through our trials. Mm-hmm. And um, Bob and I were going through a, a, um, a big trial in our relationship early on in our, in our marriage, about four years into it, actually. Um, Bob was in vet school, and I was working full-time uh, nursing in the hospital, and we had our, our little two-year-old son, mm-hmm. and we were headed in different directions and to the point where we really didn't know know each other anymore, and we didn't. We shared our son, and that was about all we shared. And um, see, in my <laughs> when I was growing up, I had two goals. I had I had a goal to have, to get my MRS and then to get my <laughs> RN, and um, and I got them both, and I achieved that goal. But you know, that was um, kind of low achieving, <laughs> and then I didn't find happiness where I thought I did. Um, so as we were going our different two different directions, um, Bob decided that that wasn't he wanted more out of life than what what we were sharing at that point, and he, he didn't know what he wanted, but he didn't think it was with me, and so he came to a point where he decided that that we needed to separate, and it was which to me being coming from a um, um, Catholic family that didn't know divorce for anyone in the family, uh, that was just really a shock. Yeah, I, I couldn't sure. imagine. I was, I was so willing to, to accept whatever the little, little marriage that we had that was going rather than completely get shattered and go home and uh, have to tell my parents that we were, I was getting divorced. Wow. So that was at a really low point in, in my life. And, uh, and, and also with Bob. And, and I think that's where, but it, looking back on it and, and God's providence, 
he had to break what we had to build it back up. Mm, um, beautiful. His way. beautiful. And that's where it was the start of um, of uh, looking to God for help in our lives. So I think G- can can share where he was at at that point. So let me pause you a second. So how old were you, Judy? Uh, Twenty. Seven, I think. Okay, so you're younger, and is this in the 70s? Roughly what era? 74. That was 74. Okay, so at that time in culture, um, just to set the backdrop, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of confusion, not that there isn't today, but uh, post-Vatican II, people wanting to know what that means, many thinking that the Church has changed, this bedrock that I had confidence in, uh, misapplied, right? Many people didn't understand that. You had um, a lot of the post-hippie kind of thing going on, where kind of free love, and you guys sounded much stronger, obviously, than maybe a lot of, a lot of those who were your peers. But, um, you know, and maybe this also, we had, let's face it, in our Catholic Church itself, there was a lot of confusion about orthodoxy, which for our listeners, you know, correct belief, true belief, um, you know, there was dispute, if you will, not among what was true, because that was the catechism and the magisterium, but in our church itself, people coming to church, um, it's not true that there were really a wide range of people's thinking about, you know, whether or not they could believe what they wanted to believe, and uh, created a lot of confusion about that also. If you want to add anything to that, just for that kind of culture before, you know, Bob, you want to share with us where you were at. Well, at that point in our relationship, um, we, you know, I was raised in going to church faithfully, you know, a good culture Catholic. And But after we married, we dropped away from that. Mm-hmm. And we really didn't find, well, we didn't know what we were looking for. But at that point, and we so we had stopped basically going to church. We weren't really confused. We were just lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was going on in the church at that at that moment really wasn't. I wasn't aware of it. I just knew that in our relationship, it, you know, God really wasn't there. So Bob, we'll go to you now. Rebuttal, okay. rebuttal, if you will. <laughs> I. Uh... <laughs> I uh, told you that I wanted a divorce. I just, I, I just didn't want to keep doing what we were doing because I realized that I didn't love her. I didn't love our son. I didn't love anything. And I didn't know at the time that what I needed in my life was God because God is love. Mm-hmm. And that if you don't have God in your relationship, you don't have love in your relationship. And like I said, we weren't really confused about all the changes in the church because we weren't there for them. Mm-hmm. We'd go back once in a while back home and we'd go to church for the family's sake but it wasn't for anything we would get out of it and we'd notice some changes in the in the mass and things but it wasn't very important to us but uh, when I left I, it wasn't very long before I sat back in the chair and I said God if you're real just show me mm-hmm. And he did. <laughs> and I it's a powerful a prayer. Profound conversion experience, which immediately made me suspect everybody I knew. <laughs> Off the deep end. And I probably was, because all of a sudden I'm going from this guy that was a, an agnostic to someone that's going around telling people that God is real and he loves them. And, and all my friends thought I was nuts, and Judy thought I was nuts. 
And maybe I was. <laughs> maybe I still am. The wisdom of the world, <laughs> right? So, Bob, so we don't gloss that over um, for our listeners. Um, you really kind of paint a picture, quite frankly, that many people might find themselves in of being familiar with religion. In the case of Judy, a cultural Catholic, or yours, you're kind of saying it's just it was inapplicable, just, you know, uh, wasn't on the radar, um, to really kind of having a kind of encounter. Now, for many, we know it may not be a moment, may not be a retreat or whatever took place. Uh, it may be over a period of time. But what what exactly happened that opened the door for you to this awareness of God's love? Well, I, like I said, I sat back in this chair, and I had been trying to meditate. I had learned transcendental meditation. I had been trying to meditate. And one of the guys downstairs in the apartment had uh, the hysteria on with the great big speakers that came through Oof. the floor. Right. And it was, he was playing, of all things, in Agata Davida. I still remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the bass for that was like boom, boom, boom. Right, right. You can sing it for us if you want, Bob. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I, was, I just couldn't meditate, so I sat back in the chair, and I thought, you know, the whole point of meditation is to find God. Why can't we just take a shortcut? If you're real God, just show me. I'm kind of a bottom line guy. Right, practical. Bring it on. And I went into a a trance. It was an altered state of consciousness that I had this feeling of total love. Just Mm -hmm. love just poured out over me. And I, I could look up and see light. And it was like, uh, if you look through water and you see the sun up above the water, mm-hmm. that was what it was like. And the water was warm oil, and the sun was a source of warmth and love. And it just penetrated me, mm-hmm. to, clear to the marrow of my bones. I knew that I was loved. And all of a sudden I realized that I could love. And that's when I came back from that experience. I didn't sleep for three weeks, literally did not sleep, and I had no sense of cold. I walked around outside in February, it was actually 43 years ago this month, and I walked around without a coat on. I remembered everything I'd ever learned. I picked up a guitar, I remembered everything I'd ever learned on the guitar. I was taking tests while I was in school, that was during finals week, and I remembered everything I'd learned. I didn't have to study. It was an incredible experience. It was like, I don't think you could maintain that for very long. It was about three weeks for me. After that, I never never went back to being the same. I always knew there was a God. Before, I I didn't know. You know, an agnostic is someone who doesn't know. Um, It means without knowledge. And Father Benedict pointed out to me one time that the Latin term for Agnostic is ignoramus. <laughs> I can hear his voice. Very good, Bob. <laughs> nice, Bob. Yeah. Well, you know, the Latin for that is ignoramus. <laughs> so a quick, Take note, Bob. A quick pause. Just You may not have necessarily seen a connection there, but... You know, I unfortunately had too much of a dose of classical rock. In a in Agata de Vida, uh, they wrote the song in the garage and it was freezing. And the actual original name was In the Garden of Eden. 
and it yeah. came out because they were so cold. So how, in a sense, ironic that the setting, even through secular culture, you're being inundated by a song uh, titled In the Garden of Eden that's neither here nor there. But uh, Judy, what is your recollection of, of the transformed, changed Bob? Well, I just thought he flipped out. I mean, I, I even went to his, um, one of his professors that was sort of a mentor to him, and, I, and I, I was so confused. I said, what's going on with him? And he recognized that Bob was going through something, and that, and, and that he said, just be patient. He said, he's, he's okay. He said, you know, he's coming to me, and he's talking, and we're, and, um, and so, and all these friends, you know, they were telling me how, you know, that he's flipped out. But then what I did notice is that he had, he had this inner joy that came out of him that I'd never seen. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know if I've ever seen it. And, and he was just flying. Um, so what happened, then, then we started talking, you know, talking like we never talked before. So let me pause you. I'm sorry for interrupting, but you were separated at this point? We were separated. He was in just, he had moved down the street into a top floor of, of a house, an apartment. And it was only like within weeks that this happened to him. And, but then when he, he would come back and visit, uh, or visit Dave, I mean, we start talking and started to be really honest with each other. I think for the first time in our in our lives, and and uh, and talking talking like we never did before. I mean, really talking and and uh, um, and through that time, you know, he was telling me about his experience. And and one time he came over and he handed me a Bible. Now this is really out of character. <laughs> <laughs> he handed me a Bible and he's. And um, he said, I don't know what, what our future holds, and I don't know what all the answers are, but I think the answers are in here. <laughs> and he gave me that Bible, and at that point, you know, I, would, I, I didn't have any other place to go, so I was very willing to try anything. So, uh, I mean, we had the big coffee table Bibles at our, you know, our farmhouse at home but growing up, but, you know, so I never really read the Bible. So anyway, I started reading it. And it started speaking to me. And his conversion was instantaneous, but mine was a slow process. And and I was starting the words they were they were starting to really touch my heart and and, uh, and so as I was reading that and and then we get together and we talk and it was like God was really there, you know, uh, healing us and and bringing us back together again. And it's interesting enough that when. Um, it, was, it was coming up to be Valentine's Day because it was in February. And I knew I came to the realization that I had, to, I had to love Bob enough to want what's best for him. And if I wasn't best for him, then I had to give him up. And I, I really came to that knowledge that, that, you know, I had to give him up. I had to give him up to God. And so um, our son David and I made this cake, and it was in the shape of a heart. And we took it over to him in his apartment. Pineapple upside down. It was cake. a pineapple upside down oh. cake. <laughs> you remember, Bob? Yeah, his favorite cake. Now, um, anyway, so I we brought we gave it to him, and I and I gave it to him, and I I gave him to him as a sign of his freedom, mm, and I wow. told him, you know, what I had come that God had really put on my heart, and I really meant it that I I wanted what was best for him, and if that wasn't me, and this you know important time that you know he had his freedom, and it was like. It was like the thing that just kind of healed mm. the rest of the relationship. And 
Bob can speak on that. Yeah, it was when we got married. I we were really young. We were 21 when we got married, and I was not at all sure that I wanted to be married. But I had asked her, and I didn't know that she got to set the date. <laughs> I thought we'd be engaged for like maybe eight years. <laughs> but, uh, she set the date for June. <laughs> so, so we were married, and but it was one of those things where I didn't really realize what I was doing. But when we had this experience, when she came back and gave me the cake and let me go, I wanted her back. Mm. We uh, we got back together. That must have been some heck of a pineapple upside down cake. <laughs> yeah, kind of turned our whole world upside down. <laughs> yeah, very symbolic. Now, Bob, when you had this experience, of course, um, God's anointing, a unique grace, it, it caused you to look at the world in a different way. Um, do you remember specifically um, how it affected your vision of marriage, maybe in general, and Judy in particular? Uh, it's one of those things that you had to kind of work through it gradually. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't even thinking about marriage. I was just so enthralled with the idea that there really was a God and that He loved me, mm-hmm. and He loved all the people. And it was like it was a very sensory experience. Like colors were more vivid, and people were beautiful, and it was just—it was kind of seeing things on a different plane. But uh, I also saw Judy as being more beautiful, and my son as being more beautiful. And it was just, it was a, uh, the conversion was instantaneous. When I read the Bible before, it was just a bunch of words. When I read the Bible after, it was a love letter to me personally. And when, after going through this experience, the Bible, I started reading the Bible. I read the Bible all the way through. I did exactly the wrong thing. I started the beginning and read it all the way through. But at that time, I was in in professional school, and I was used to wading through hard-to-read things. Mm-hmm. So I got all the way through Leviticus and Numbers <laughs> and Ecclesiastes, and I just ripped right on through it. And I went back and I started over again. And I read it seven times, wow. start to finish. But it was a completely different experience from wow. before. That's and awesome. we still really weren't going to church regularly. I was going to ask, how how did Catholicism, how did this take on sort of the communal religious dimension, number one, and two, in a way that both you and Judy shared? I would say that we didn't really go to church regularly. We tried going to the Newman Center, but it was so off-the-wall hippified. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I good I word. I didn't even recognize it as a Catholic church. <laughs> but uh, we, we, it just, we got nothing out of it. So I think we basically started in Germany. Well, we tried, we tried different churches. Yeah. We did try to we go to, we, we sensed that we needed to do that, but we weren't sure exactly what church at that point we were going to end up in. Um, and I, I think it wasn't until we... He graduated, and we ended up in Germany and in the military that we actually started going back to the Catholic Church faithfully. What year is this roughly when you went to Germany? 76. Okay. 76, yeah. And that and I might add to go back a, a little bit. When we did decide to um, come back together and, and um, as a married couple, we 
we repeated our vows to each other and put our rings back on each other. Oh, as, and it was, you know, our own little ceremony to, um, it, it, which really kind of felt like we were really married, you know, right. forever. Right. And, uh, and we, we, did, we, we made a commitment to God. We didn't, it was like this beginning of this huge journey. We didn't know what was in store for us, what God had planned for us, but we knew that, that we wanted to dedicate our lives in serving Him mm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we made that commitment to God at that point. And it wasn't that long after that that um, well, Bob graduated. Uh, we had another son. Bob graduated, and we, um, we went got into the military. Um, for a short period, we were down in, um, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but then we got an opportunity to go over to Germany for three years, and we ended up in Munich, Germany, um, which was... We, we, it was an int- really a beautiful experience. It looked like God took us out of all the stuff that we were in and, and isolated us in, and in another part of the country and just fed us. Because wow. Bob was looking, he, he was talking to someone and asking, do you know anybody has a prayer meeting or anything <laughs> like that going on anywhere? And this, this one guy at the hospital said, oh, yeah, my wife goes to one, and it's in the building right next to yours. So they're like charismatics or something. <laughs> so Bob Bob went to check it out, and he came back all excited. He said, "Jude, this is this is what we've been looking for." Mm-hmm. And so I went back the next time, and you know how you when you get in like a too warm of a bath, it was like a little bit uncomfortable with the, with you know everybody it was so warm and loving and hugging and and welcoming, and it was just like you weren't Ooh. quite ready, right? right. <laughs> but it just we just kept going. Especially in Germany. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you volt. Back because we, we felt drawn to them because they had something that we wanted. Right. You know, with, that was, we knew it, and it was God and the Holy Spirit. And so that was the beginning of, of our getting involved in a charismatic prayer group. And then they uh, said, you know, they got this marriage encounter weekend coming in. There's people from the States are coming over to do a weekend here for, for the English-speaking uh, people. He said, we really think you guys should go on it. And we didn't know anything about what this was all about, but we were just open for anything at that point. Sure. said, sure, we'll go. So, we're easy. <laughs> so we, went, we went on this marriage encounter weekend and just you know, had a best time you know i i know we were glowing all weekend and and they had asked us to be um one join them in being a team and which i was very reluctant to do because i don't don't like to speak in public much less share our lives Mm -hmm. in public um but we ended up you know say okay what does god want us to do and and uh we decided we'd do that so we spent the next 17 years evolved in marriage encounter and then alongside uh, the, you know with the charismatic renewal and the two of those two ministries have blessed our marriage our relationships brought in met some of the most wonderful people in the world through those two ministries now what's remarkable about that is as you know uh, whether you knew at the time or after the fact and know you do now is those two 
powerful movements coincided with the pontificate of Pope John Paul II, his theology of the body, which obviously opened up many of our eyes to understanding the beauty of husband and wife as a icon of the Trinity, and not just this on a chalkboard, but we participate in the life of the Trinity, and that's the purpose of marriage, literally to make love known, part one. And then the new evangelization, uh, how he marvelously opened up uh, hearts and minds to recognize all the more is always embedded in our church, but uh, this personal dimension. Now, before we go too further, because um, I know some of our listeners, maybe somebody who just tuned in uh, with, by the way, you're at Ignite Radio Live over the five stations of Annunciation Radio, and we're blessed to have Bob and Judy Geiger with us, a very beautiful couple, and uh, they're sharing with us their journey. They talked about the early marriage years, uh, which were uh, definitely rife with conflict and challenge, and they separated, and Bob had a powerful conversion experience, and by God's anointing, definitely tracing for us how that grace moved in their lives to deepen their marriage, recommit themselves in marriage. And so for other, for listeners right now who may be struggling with marriage, and you and I know that, you know, probably 80 to 90 percent by our experience have some significant challenges in their marriages. Even those folks who are electors or involved with crucios and chirps, uh, it's easy, if you will, to do it at those events. Many find a very difficult time, if you will, to renew um, that relationship, and they're yearning for it. We know these are godly husbands, godly wives. They're yearning for a kind of renewal that you speak of. Uh, they may you know, feel like, well, that could never happen to me, that miraculous kind of sitting in my chair in a God of Vita moment <laughs> listening to it. But I want to ask you, Bob and Judy, with your experience of marriage encounter, what simple major points stand out for you of advice that you would give to those couples right now who may be struggling in a significant way? I think priority is the word that comes to me, and that's faith, family, and finances. If you get those mixed up, it's never going to work. So first of all, seek God. Mm-hmm. And do what it takes to seek God. A lot of us have gotten away from going to confession, and confession is like it's like the oil in your car. It makes things work. It's a channel for God's grace. And a lot of couples are struggling along with sins in their lives, and sin makes you stupid. You say stupid things and you do stupid things. Mm-hmm. And so you have to get, get your act cleaned up. You first work on yourself and then you work on your marriage. The next part is family. And it's like if you, if you put God first and family second, then things fall into place. And the last thing is finance. And I think a lot of guys get too involved in, in becoming workaholics. Mm-hmm. And their job becomes everything. And their wife and their kids and their faith, they're all on back burner somewhere. But if you can keep the, the priorities straight, it's almost a, a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. God tells us if you put him first, he'll put you first. Mm-hmm. Right. Now I want to focus on something, Wait, Bob. Wait, does Judy have something to add to that? Well, I, a sense of humor gets you through a lot of things. <laughs> Because not only is Bob a wise man, he's a, he's a wise man. guy. Uh, and sometimes I didn't always appreciate his sense of humor, by the way, because <laughs> I wanted to go sulk and, you know, hang on to my to my uh, uh, anger for yes, a while. Yes, but he, <laughs> but that, But through the many years of marriage encounter, you realize that that doesn't really get you anywhere. And, and ultimately, it's not... 
it's not the point, it's not the principle, it's not is nothing more important than your relationship. Mm, well put. Awesome. Well and I think we as women just definitely need to remind ourselves of that over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, Bob, that first point that you made about having faith, about seeking God, um, and I, I know there are many godly people who desire the heart of God, but they struggle uh, with this poison of relativism. Uh, they struggle with thinking that, you know, truths of our Catholic faith are relative to to whoever hears it, or it's optional. And um, this isn't simply kind of a judgment thing that we have. You and I have spoken enough about this to know that we are on a journey, we are fallen, we're seeking God's grace. But he gives us this truth in his love, which has a, a contour, it has a shape. And um, how much have you experienced that, if you will, as a problem in couples who, when we say have faith, maybe, and it has to involve considering sin, it has to, you know, which means literally separation, because they're yearning for intimacy and we're separated, how much of a role do you think this sort of relativism plays in the lives of people uh, who are yearning for that, you know, reconciliation, that intimacy? Uh, I think it's huge. Relativism is an outgrowth of Einstein's theory of relativity, and it's misapplied. And it's saying that everything is relative. Truth is relative. Well, that's absolutely not true. It's, it just doesn't work. It's, if you say 2 plus 3 is 5, but I believe it's 4, does that make it right for me? And you're a bigot if you uh, or illiberal or intolerant if, if we don't accept your false answer. Right. Well, God's given us the answers. And it's like our church is designed to provide the life abundant. And if you start deducting things, you deduct from life abundant. You make your life less abundant. And I saw I had a, a fellow I was working with who's considering coming into the church, and he, he said, well, what do you do if you come across something in the church's teachings that, that you just don't believe in? Mm-hmm. I said, I changed my mind. <laughs> Good answer. They've had 2,000 years to think about it with thousands of brilliant minds thinking for years and years about these things, and I'm going to come along in 40 or 50 years and, and say, ah, oh, no, that's not right. I don't think so. Right. There's a, uh, a blog um, that has gotten a lot of popularity of a young man who struggled with homosexual inclination, and he's, um, you know, responding to the Holy Father, uh, Pope Francis, uh, essentially, you know, saying the church needs to apologize to homosexuals. And the young man went on to explain his own story as one of going to priest after priest and other leaders in the church who told him essentially, no big deal, you were made this way, and just act on it. And then he traced his history of real Uh, quite frankly, tragic catastrophe, destruction, as he uh, experienced STD and brokenness and his his peers experienced the same. And then the beauty of it is that he found later uh, in his journey um, priests and others who did tell him the truth. And let's face it, culture today, this is a tough, difficult to accept, dividing line kind of truth. But he found priests um, on the other hand who did share with him this truth. And it was an occasion for real reconciliation, uh, transformation, renewal in his 
life, um, found his way into the Catholic Church, all that to make the point uh, of Chesterton's great kind of comment that we really can't so much break the law, the moral law, as be broken by it. And I think it's such an important point for our listeners to know each of us have inclinations that are disordered. In which of us doesn't have something for which we need God's grace for self-control? And doesn't that make the beautiful gift of Christ in his church all the more powerful as one of revealing that truth, that bedrock truth for the good of our nature, and then seeking the grace to be transformed? So, kind of with that said, I have always, again, been blessed by you and Judy, and knowing you the last four years of seeing, you've been in the game. I mean, you, with hearts of love, uh, with compassion, but yet conviction in the truth. Both of you have been engaged in the past, you know, you tell me, 30 years or more, 40 years of really seeking to lead others to know Jesus Christ and, dare I add, in the fullness of our Catholic faith. And I say dare I add because... And maybe share with us, what is the challenge for cultured Catholics who've grown up with it to really get this part about intimacy with Jesus Christ and relationship with Jesus? And how have you seen that play out in the last, you know, 20 years? I don't think that was ever mentioned when we were young. You just went to church. Nobody talked about having a personal relationship with Christ. That was Protestant. I guess the Protestants had a personal relationship. (laughs) They speak to him personally. uh, They hear his voice. But once you experience it, there's a secret in the life of the Spirit. That's that you get to keep what you give away. Mm. And once you experience it, you just want so badly to give it to other people, Mm. to have them find what you found. And to not do that, you know, Paul said, I'd burst if I didn't preach the gospel. And it's, it's, that's what it's like. It's just this driving urge to help people find God and help them become what Matthew Kelly would call the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Because if we could change this world one person at a time, sooner or later, we're going to be living in heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, I know when this happened to Bob and I, um, my I'm youngest of seven in the family, and they are very protective of me. Uh, when they found out that we were having marriage problems. And so when we did this big reversal, it was kind of really blew their mind because they grew up very much like we did, very culturally. And, it, I mean, it wasn't even on the radar. What are you talking about, a personal relationship? And so when we were on fire with the Lord and tried to talk them, it was just like speaking another language to them. Tongues! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tongues. Uh, but over the years, I mean, they, they come to really respect you know um where we are and what we've come from and 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 we've been able to you know at the different times open up to uh, those that were open to it um it so but and they were also the one of the first people that they come to when they want somebody you know to pray mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's 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 been a wonderful it's a wild journey as you know with the lord it's always a wild and crazy journey but we've had so many blessings along the way, with all, so many retreats, and so many people that you see their lives turned around. I mean, that just keeps you going, you know. Uh, that's that's what we do, what we do, because that's what, what our mission is. So you were blessed with four children, correct? Mm-hmm. We have four children, and we have the number sixteenth grandchild on the way. Awesome. Congratulations! What blessings! So give us quickly a, a parental perspective through all of this, raising your children. Whatever you want to touch on um, that you 
think might be beneficial to our listeners? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that. Uh, kids learn what they live. And, I, you know, I just today, one of the fellows I was with at a prayer meeting was saying that his son takes his son to Catholic school and drops him off and doesn't go to church. And, you know, you're wasting your money mm-hmm. if you think that's going to work. Your kids are watching you a lot closer than they're watching the teacher in a Catholic school. Right. So if you're not living your faith, it's going to be God's direct intervention that helps your kids stay Catholic. And that happens. Mm -hmm. The world is still out there pulling them pulling them yeah. apart and pulling them away from the church and, and um and they have to go to college and uh and our three boys were the oldest and then we had our daughter Beth and we were you know, as the goes, we were much better parents for our youngest than we were for our oldest because we we're still learning. We're still in in the process. But I think in all of them, um they have a high respect for our beliefs and and um and we're proud of all of them. I mean, some of them are practicing better than the others in their faith. Uh, our daughter Beth was, uh, we took her to the youth conferences in Franciscan University mm-hmm. in Steubenville, and there was not a doubt where she wanted to go, and she mm-hmm. graduated um, six years uh, with her master's and met her husband, and they are down in Georgia, and, um, you know, Homes, they're homeschooling and they're very deep in their faith, and and it's just it's wonderful to see your values reflected back to you. And we have um, another son, all of his kids. They work hard to get their kids in Catholic school in Cincinnati, and it they're we're proud of all four of them and where they are in life. They all have their struggles, but we know that when you know there's a scripture that if you raise your child to the way he should go when he gets older, he will not depart from it. Mm-hmm. So very, very confident that these guys, these, all these four children will, even through their trials, right. will turn back. That's beautiful. George McDonald was C.S. Lewis's spiritual mentor, and he said, God has no grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So just because the parents have a strong faith doesn't mean the kids will. They all have to make that decision themselves. Right. Each one of them has to respond to God's call. Right. Another shameless plug, of course, for our listeners. We're so aware of good people who are involved in Catholic activity in their church, the retreat, read the book, watch the TV, the faith-oriented things. And we get it. We get the challenge of that overflowing into our homes and into our marriages. It just falls apart there, it seems. And uh, so just, we really encourage our listeners, uh, do you need the Live It Gathering Guide for groups or families? No. But uh, it is a great way to be united with others in talking and praying based upon Sunday readings. And the challenges, you know, along these lines, if you look at your calendar, all the commitments that we make to every other thing, and you consider what do you get out of them? It's certainly valuable. Sports, it's valuable. you got to eat, valuable. Um, but how much time, other than that hour of Mass on Sunday or the men's group or women's group, in our homes, which is a higher priority, how much time are we spending meaningful conversation and praying as a family? And we just invite our listeners to really take those steps, download the app, etc. So with the time we have left, um, <clears throat> by my math, you guys have been in the game, and by God's grace, 40 years or so. 
And we've seen a lot happen since the late 70s up till present day. We spoke of two key themes, I think. Uh, the relativism, we've seen clarification of that truth. Um, We've seen an awakening to the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Of course, it's always been in the fabric of our faith from the very beginning. But Catholics, it's been all the more emphasized, if you will, by popes uh, of recent history. And uh, Bob and Judy... You guys always took initiative to foster faith early on. Share with us some of those early experiences and some of the great speakers that you brought to the area. Uh, we'll just start there and move forward. Well, we started going to the Steubenville conferences shortly after we arrived in Port Clinton. And we could see the power of a gifted speaker in helping us to understand our faith. And so we got interested in bringing that back here because we couldn't talk everybody into going to Steubenville with us. It was just, like, too hard to sell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were also trying to talk people into making marriage encounters. <laughs> but, uh, so whenever they saw you guys coming, they went the other way, right? <laughs> yeah. Here they, they go. go to Steubenville, they went on a marriage encounter. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, so we we uh, looked into bringing the defending the faith when it had first started up at Steubenville on the road, and they were they were open to that. So we brought the defending the faith to Toledo, and we had uh, I think it was Marcus Grodi uh, and Bishop. Bishop. Yeah, it was Bishop at that time, Chaput mm-hmm. and, uh, and Curtis Martin and, uh, and Doctor uh, Father Benedict Rochelle. Well, he was in Port Clinton. We had, but he he also was in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we had Father Benedict Rochelle and uh, Curtis Martin, and they were amazing conferences. But uh, that's awesome. Not very well attended for the amazing conferences that they were. I think we had like 275 people in Port Clinton. But uh, it was an it was a, a neat experience, and we learned about putting on conferences. And then we got, I joined the KFCs because one fellow bothered me. Every every week he'd see me in church, he'd ask me to join the KFCs. So I said, well, <laughs> if they do something, I'll join them. And he said, what would you want to do? And I said, how about having a series of speakers? So we had 23 speakers come in over wow. three to five years. Wow. Praise and God. Marcus Grodi, and we had Patrick Madrid, and we had Tim Staples, and we had Dr. Ray Grindy, and we had Father Larry Richards, and Father Dave Nuss, and we just had... Teresa awesome Tomeo. speakers, Teresa Tamio, Al Cresta, just about everybody you can think of, Alex Jones. By the way, uh, a note, um, somebody just texted me, Terry, who is on your bus, and simply said, Bob and Judy are terrific. They hosted the bus trip to the march. So, folks, again, just tremendous blessing of the Geigers early on 40 years ago, providing these opportunities. And by the way, by virtue of your baptism, brothers and sisters out there, um, you are uh, a full-fledged member of the church called to evangelize and to use your gifts for the kingdom, which is to say, don't wait for your parish. Bring it to your parish. Bring it to your pastor. God gives you your pastor. And many great things happening now that never happened before. The Alpha Program, of course, Chirp, Crisio, we're familiar with these things. We've talked about wonderful things. But if you're moved to start a, a, a group for men or a group for women, um, act on it. You know, and just do it. We're seeing, you know, marvelous uh, growth in women's groups gathering and men's groups gathering and that sort of thing. So with a little time left, I want you to, Bob and Judy, just 
maybe share with us, you know, it's the 50th anniversary of the charismatic renewal in the church. And uh, I really use that word, not because I have a problem with it, but because people have a false connotation of what it really means. I like to rather say, I want to be open to all God wants me to have. That's it. I say, I want all God wants me to have. And why wouldn't I? I want the fullness of the Spirit. And uh, I I really want to believe that I'm here for a purpose and a reason. Share with our listeners um, how important it is. What is it to have this, you know, life in the Holy Spirit? And how important is it? I would say that the church, the Catholic church, is a beautifully designed fireplace. When we uh, bought our house, our, our fireplace, I lit it up the first time, and it, we got smoke all in the house. Mm-hmm. And it's because the opening was too big for the height of the chimney. It had two-sided, it was a two-sided fireplace. And so I studied the physics of it, and I found out that it was, the chimney was only tall enough for one side. So I blocked in the other side, and it worked. Well, the church is a beautifully designed fireplace, but we've forgotten that it's supposed to have a fire in it. And that's where Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth. Well, he also came to bring us a fireplace to put it in. Mm-hmm. That was his church. And without the fire in the fireplace, it's a dark hole. It's a black hole. It's cold. It's not inviting. With the fire, it's a source of warmth and heat and light. And it's life-giving. And so the charismatic renewal basically is about putting the fire back in the fireplace. And the gifts, the charismatic gifts are not for you, they're for other people. It's like you're picking up your neighbor's mail. You know? <laughs> Good analogy. It's not, analogy. It's not a gift that makes you wonderful, it's a gift that helps other people to grow, to come to know Jesus. Bob, we're blessed to have you and Judy right now. And, uh... You know, many people right now uh, are in a situation of physical challenge who are listening right now, whether it's themselves or a relative. And uh, we know that you're in circumstances that are similar. Um, could you share with us, if you will, where, where that is right now so we can certainly pray for you and with you, but also maybe what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you that might be of benefit to anyone else listening who's in a similar place? Well, I, I have a form of cancer that's very aggressive, and it doesn't make me sick. It's just, it's there, but it doesn't make me feel bad. But uh, it's, it's serious. And, you know, it's, it helps you to prioritize your life mm-hmm. when something like this comes along. Matthew Kelly in his book, Resisting Happiness, says that the greatest luxury you can have in life is a, is a case of cancer. It's because you can say goodbye to people, and people tell you what they think, and the outpouring of love and prayer has been just unbelievable. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't not have cancer, just because it's such a rich experience. It's mm-hmm. part of life, and it's uh, part of God's plan for us. And it's not easy, but it's not that hard either. You take it a day at a time. I think it may be easier for me than it is for Judy. He keeps telling me if it's God's will, then it's my will. Mm-hmm. But we also know that, that God is a God of, of heals. And so we're also praying that, um, that mm-hmm. God will heal Bob because we know that there's a lot more that he could... He wants them to do on earth. So, you know, we were just at a, I was just at a women's retreat, 
in in the pines um, a couple weeks ago, and our speaker there said, you know, we say, be our Father, we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And she said, there's no sickness in heaven. Mm. God wants heaven here on earth. He wants He wants his healing mm. on earth. We should be heal- uh, uh, reaching everybody and touching everybody to heal them, you know, with God. And so we we should have expectant faith that God does want to heal us. Uh, and I experienced that with my, my brother who was dying of cancer a number of years ago. And I was so sure. I was so sure that God was going to heal him physically. And what when he didn't when God, when when my brother died, I was I was devastated. I thought, No, God, I knew you wanted him to heal. But God told me very and um very explicitly, he said, No, I didn't heal him physically, but I healed your family. Mm-hmm. And at that point at that point my, my large family was broken in half um because of, of, of some my father's will and, and those type of things. But it took my my brother dying for my family to be healed and brought mm-hmm. us all back together again. And yes, God heals. He may not be healing what we wanted to heal. God's ways are not always always. But he, we know that he does love us. He wants us to have um, the best life that we can with him on earth as it is in heaven. So we know we're trusting um, it is a, it is a, it's not an easy road, and this journey that we've been walking since last May, uh, it's taught us a lot, there's a lot of growth to it, but like Bob said, we wouldn't change it because, you know, we know God is very present in, in whatever the outcome it is. So. Bob and Judy, we are so blessed mm-hmm. by you. Uh, we love you truly, deeply, and we're going to close here tonight in prayer for you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, all of the listeners now, all the brothers and sisters, all the angels and saints in heaven, we invite to join us in beseeching you before your throne right now, if it be your will, Lord Jesus, that you heal Bob of this affliction in the name of Jesus Christ, we renounce it and we condemn it and we pray for an infusion of your holy grace to heal every part of him, heart, mind, body, and soul to the glory of your name. And Lord, awaken us all the more to your present love. Inhabit these hearts you fashioned for yourself. In the name of Jesus, we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.